Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Welcome for all those joining us online and live as we continue together to fight uh, the new variant Delta. Let's continue to pray uh, for this recovery uh, so that we can really together overcome this pandemic and begin to flourish together again. So I'm gonna give you a second before we do the rule of life just to pause from all that we're doing in our lives. Just a moment of solitude and reflection to be present here. I know that there's a lot of things ruminating in your mind that you could be worried about. Concerns, the things that you're going through, things you have to go to. But as we practice the rule of life, we're meeting God outside of time and space and meeting him where he is outside of that place, meeting him there, and the presence of God flowing. So let's exhale. All your concerns, even shame and guilt, and confusion and the fog in your life, and bring it to the feet of Jesus. And inhale the presence of God, the transcending peace, and the promise that he is on the throne, that he is writing our story right now. And all God's people pray, amen. All right, so let's put this picture up here. As we conclude our series on Matthew 13, which is the parable of the sower, I want to pay, you know, pay tribute to my sons. Sons, They always ask me who my favorite son is in the house, and I say, Jesus. But who's your second favorite son? I don't have any. But um, Josh, my youngest, who turned nine this week, um, yeah, pretty amazing um, that he's nine years old already. Uh, my oldest son turned 14 in March. And, you know, when you raise kids, almost a ch- the psychology of adolescence, you really have to be patient. There's not a moment where when you have a child, you're not worried. You're not saying stop it because they don't stop it. And there's so many things going on. And to teach them, to teach your kids what it means to flourish, the hope, to 
whole notion of flourishing. Because there, there is no parent on the planet that doesn't want their kids to be better off than them. Not just financially. I know that many of our parents are all into money and status and stuff like that. But deep down inside, if, you know, if they were to put aside their sinfulness and sinful propensities, they would want you to flourish in the most, you know, best way possible because all parents want that. And so one of the things that we thought of is how do we apply not just dogma, what Christianity is, because a lot of times PKs, and we have quite a few at our church, PKs, pastor's kids, are either gang members and drug dealers. I'm serious. Or they're angels. Now, my kids are somewhere in between those two things. But, you know, to teach your kids real faith, tangible faith, not dogma, not belief, because a lot of times what happen, happens in the church is external exuberance of faith to what? To appease the people in your community. It's one of the things we didn't want to do is that. And how can you tell someone's life, your kid's life, your life, how, how can you tell that you're actually flourishing in your life? Is it success? Is it achievement? Because that's what it seems like sometimes. Like what we're accomplishing, the bank columns, and then, you know, the letters after our name seem to be the measurement for flourishing in America and the world. But and from a biblical perspective, it's very different. It's about how you treat others. It's how you love others. So I like to test the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.19, all the time among, in our family. And so, as you know, my oldest son, he's carrying Josh here. He does this once a year for Josh on his birthday. The rest of the time, he's pretty evil. But... Um, <laughs> But, you know, my, so seeing the fruit of the Spirit in my son is, is interesting because it's like a case study, qualitative case study. And, you know, he's a musician and he, you know, he is making it in music and he's establishing a fan base. But what happens a lot of times, you know, how many people here, when you see that blue check mark on someone's Instagram, you're like, wow, <laughs> it's a coveted, you know, Instagram. And um, Nathan is growing in that. And a lot of people are actually taking his songs on SoundCloud and uploading it as their own, right? And one song he has has about 150,000 plays and a couple of people took that song and uploaded as they wrote it because he took it down. And his fans, which are in the thousands, like really troll those people and say, you stole it from Kid Cole. And if you don't, you don't tell him, we're going to keep spamming you and eventually you're gonna get a, he's gonna have a lawsuit come after <laughs> And so Nathan only knows uh, that someone stole his song because his fans find it. And so the person that stole this song actually reached out to him on IG and said, bro, I'm so sorry. Your fans are not leaving me alone. And you know, it's so hard to write songs like this. And I'm sorry, I won't, I won't never do it again. You know, when, when Nathan was younger, I mean, he's 14, which is weird to say younger, but I mean, he wasn't using sippy cups three years ago. But um, he, you know, Nathan said, so what you say, Nathan? He goes, well, Dad, I said, I always want to be like Jesus. So, you know, I said, I forgive you. But if you ever do, no, no, he didn't. But he was like, I forgive you. I know the temptation and the pressure to, 
you know, to make it in music. And I just wanted you to let you know, man, you know, I'm gonna let you go, but don't do that to other artists because that's, you know, it's their hard work. You know, they put in the hours in the studio, and, you know, to do that, it's wrong. I was like, you said that? He goes, yeah. <laughs> and the next day, he told Jock to shut the hell up and get out of my room. <laughs> I share I share that because, the, you know, this inner life, this spiritual life that we're living in Matthew 13, the, the last case, domain, is the best case. And it says that when, when the crops flourish, there'll be 30, 60 to 100. And, and what I want, why I, I bring that story up is because if the spiritual life is simply esoteric, simply about knowing something or remembering something and it doesn't it's not pragmatic it doesn't touch the life of others around you it's not flourishing based on a biblical definition it has to change the lives around it has to touch and change the people around you and i, I bring up my son because he's living in the fruit of the spirit and then he goes right into the flesh so do i Right? I'm praying sometimes in my prayer language, you know, preparing for a message. And then Josh says something. I'm like, stop it, Josh. Get irritated. How many people get irritated for other people? No, none of you. Not, just me. You know, you guys don't get annoyed at irritated people. No. Of course you do. So that's the point of the spiritual life. The point of the spiritual life is not to be fake and be courteous. It's to be deep enough to be able to represent Jesus and the, and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Tell someone self-control makes you. How many people need more self-control? Internally or externally? Because you can be like, oh, it's okay, and in your mind, I can't believe you did that. I hate you. And the profanity lacing that we can't say on the post. I mean, you know, it's like, so, so the whole point of the best case of the inner spiritual life is pragmatic application. It's how we love one another. It's how we serve one another. How we forgive one another. But there will be times where we do well and not well. And that's okay. Because the point is what? To flourish, to grow. And that's the whole point of the spiritual life, to grow. It's not to learn or remember. It's to what? Become. It's to become and represent the glory of God. So that correlation of God's glory, who he really is in his character, is reflected in our being. Amen? That's the essence and the aim of the spiritual life. So let's conclude this series by summing up the, the fourth case, which is the good soil. And so let's go there. And this is the point of this case. And then I'll give you the lesson right afterwards. Let's read the point together. What's the point? The point is, in God's kingdom, prosperity, the notion of prosperity and reciprocity are what? Are inseparable. The notion in the biblical framework, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, the motif it's that blessing, when you're blessed, it's always to be a blessing. God never uses prosperity for vanity's sake. There is always reciprocity. 
just mutual exchange and benefit. So when the good soil produces fruit or crops to 30, 60, 100, meaning that quantity and degree is not, cannot be controlled by our lives, all we can do is be faithful. But the quantity that God brings is for others, right? You can't have fruit and eat it all by yourself. It's for the agriculture is to bless people, others in the village, at Whole Foods. That's where I shop from, so that blesses me. And you know what I'm saying? So it's supposed to be, there, there has to be that correlation between prosperity and reciprocity. It, it's not for vanity's sake. And, and the, the thing is, in our culture today, global culture, bigger, better, faster. You know, what you can brag about on Instagram, on social. This is what I did. This is who I was with. This is how much I'm making. It's, it's this bling culture. And, and the Bible is complete a reversal of that. For example, a lot of people were, uh, had a bad taste in their mouth recently by Bezos with the space launch. Here he is. The richest man in the world. Of course, there's three billionaires all wanting to go to space. Bronson, Bezos, and uh, Musk. And he's, you know, this excess of champagne and celebrating, you know, really going to space for 20 minutes as a form of vanity in a way. And, and, and believe me, I'm a big, I'm a theonomist. That's a theology in, in, um, in astronomy. I, I believe in cosmology. I believe we should explore the stars and it's very important. But when he said in an interview, thank you, Amazon customers, you paid for my trip. People were like, what the I can't believe this. And you know, and, and the youngest guy on the ship was like, Elon, I never shop from Amazon. I'm from Europe. He's like, oh. And this is what uh, Jeff said to him. I, I didn't hear that for a really long time, that someone didn't shop at Amazon. But that's sort of the worldly depiction of flourish. I could do what I want, when I want, how I want. It's all about upward mobility. I could treat people how I want. Freedom. Ultimate, what? Lack of self control. You don't need self control. You do what you want. It's not about others, really, at the end of the day. It's about self exaltation. So, in that framework, that's not must, or Bezos flying into space is not an idea of flourishing or prosperity in the biblical sense. Because that's about self exaltation. And that's why people who are self-exalting are off-putting. It's not in God's design. So there has to be that correlation. How does my success bless others? The correlation of joy for myself, because I'm doing what God called me to do, and I'm using my talents as a good steward, but how does it glorify God? How does it glorify God? You know, I'm with a lot of times with social media influencers. I was at, I spoke at a summit and I had the least amount of followers. I only have like 7,000 on Instagram with uh, our church and my personal. And um, my friends, 
at Facebook and Instagram, they're the ones that do the verification. So I told my son, hey, they told me I might get verified, so I might get verified before you. He's like, no, I can't, that's so, I'm gonna be so uncool. My dad's gonna be verified before me? I'm, I might, I won't do that to you. But that's why people want the verification check because they want, they be like, I'm legit, right? I mean, I'm hanging out with these people all the time and, and the question a lot of times that we ask these influencers, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it for your own fame? Is it for your own glory? Well, he's like, well, tell me your story. Well, man, I, I did this video and I got a billion views. I got 40 million followers. So what, why though? Why are you doing this? And a lot of time it's well because it's viral, it's success. So whatever success you have, and if, if it's not about the glory of God, then you really have to rein back and be like, is this, am I doing this for me and for my own validation? Or is this for God's glory? Because good soil and the fruit that comes out of it has to be about blessing other people. It starts from Abraham, right? God says, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. So let me ask you this question, okay? Whatever flourishing you have in your mind, in your life, in your career, in your lives, how does it glorify God? And how does it bring you joy? Those are two questions you might want to ask. Because if it, if it brings you glory, you have no joy. Because I don't know how many famous people you know. I know some. And the most, the more famous you get and the richer you get, I, they're not very happy. So I ask a lot of influencers, why do you want to be more famous or richer? They're not happy. I don't know. I just want it. So we just want success for success' sake? Or is there a bigger narrative than that? I think that's a question that we have to grapple with. And it's going to grapple with our identity as well. Right? Let's move down. So that's the point, the correlation between prosperity and reciprocity. How does this bless the world and others around my life, the fruit of the Spirit? Not just exalt me. Verse 23 says, but, but the seed falling on, what, what is it? Good soil. What is good soil? Is it just probability that it's good soil? That something is just good automatically? No. There is a whole science in agriculture. One time my wife was making compost for her garden. And she was putting all these ingredients into the fertilizer. I said, what the heck are you doing? Make, I'm making fertilizer, compost. I had no idea what that meant. So I had to study. And I was like, what makes good soil? And I went to the School of Agriculture in the University of Nebraska. And then I found out, it's like really interesting, that there's a whole science to making good soil. It's a lot of work for it to become fertile. And 
But the main ingredient for a good soil, there are many determinants, many factors, is animal manure. You're like, what? How can excretion, how can the waste, how, how, where's that correlation of manure creating healthy soil? Well, from what I read from the University of Nebraska, when animal manure mitigates water erosion, um, soil infrastructure being poor, and many other factors. But the main thing that animal manure does, it creates soil biological activity. But what does that mean? It means that non-photosynthetic organisms are de decomposes underneath the ground to create life and energy for the nutrients for the soils. It's called micro-respiration. Sounds pretty good. I don't know what that means exactly, but, but it means that it decomposes and attracts living organisms like worm, fungi, bacteria to come to the root and fertilizes the soil. And when that happens, that, that micro-respiration activity takes place, the exponential nutrients, the crops are usually exponentially higher when this happens. So why do I say that? And why this flourishing and how this has have to do with God's glory, what, how God paints a masterpiece in our lives? Well, I bring up shenanigans equivalent because everybody here has gone through, I mean, raise your hand if you've gone through some shenanigans in your life. And if you haven't, I mean, you don't go to the bathroom every day, right? Or every other day or something. It comes out of you too. Talk about excreted waste, but we're talking it as a metaphor if you think I'm loose. Um, yeah, we all go through shenanigans. Some that others have done to us, which are the most painful, but some we've chosen for ourselves. And when we're going through some, some of these difficulties of our lives, which seems like futility, complete futility, just a waste, which is what manure is, is the very element that God uses to fertilize the ground in which he grows us and makes us. So all the things that you're going through right now, all the painful things, all the things that seems futile, all the difficult things, all the pain. If you look at look at it from a different perspective, it is a gift. And one of the things that, that people do in, in the modern world is that we want to deflect from pain and grief because it, it's not pleasant. When really, in reality, it's a gift to form life in us. You're like, well, how does it produce life? Well, fruit. Well, what is fruit biblically? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. It's, in, it's the mechanism in which God creates compassion. It's the only way God can create compassion. So what's the lesson? The lesson is the depth of the valley, geologically, the depth, the valley is what you call a depression, literally. 
It's the low point between a hill. So that despair that we go through our life, that depression is directly proportional to the depth of our compassion. That's how God creates fruit, exponential fruit that matters to other people, to our families, to the world, to our friends, to our neighbors. Without that process and mechanism, fruit is for vanity's sake. Flourishing and success is for my own sake, for my own name. So put this picture up here. Before I had kids, there you go. I hated kids. I mean, unless you have one, I mean, some people have a natural inclination, propensity toward babies. Oh, they're so, me, I always thought babies were ugly. They look aliens. It didn't interest me at all in unplanes. When the babies would cry, like, what is wrong with these people? They should charter their own private jet. They're interrupting my life. I was one of those people on the planes, look at them, you know, when I was single, no child. But then after I had kids, I understand what that's like going on a plane, taking a crying baby, and how people judge you. And let me tell you, that's, it, there's nothing worse than a five-hour flight and you can't control your baby. And you know, you know the people are thinking on the plane next to you? Why can't they control their baby? Because it's the baby, baby. It's a baby cry, a baby cries. It's wired to cry biologically. But you feel despair. And many of you might be thinking, Doc, please, you have P. Lid. You didn't raise any babies. <laughs> yeah, you have, you have her. She raised the babies. You were just there. Excuse me, people. I, you need to stop judging me. I'm capable of some things. Right? When we were younger, when, and Nathan, Nathan was just two and, and one years old. My wife is the one that went to the city for small groups. Her small group was like 40, 50 people on her own, one group. And I was the one watching that kid. And let me tell you, I learned what it means. Depression? That, that, I understand that. And I told Nathan one time, I think he was one and a half. I was like, you're going to go to sleep. He went, ah! And I was like, you're going to go to sleep. You're going to learn. You're selfish. <laughs> I told the baby crying that he's selfish. When, and this happened for, I don't know, 365 days. And then I learned that you can't tell a baby to go to sleep. You got to actually put it to sleep. Man, did I learn humility. It is hard to raise a child. So now when I see moms and dads on the plane, I go there to them and say, hey, and, then, and then now I just play with the babies. And they go, I'm so sorry. I go, don't worry. My kids are worse than yours. <laughs> They're like, oh, thank you so much for saying that. They actually are worse than you. You got, you, you got an easy year. And then they, you see the smile on their faces because they know they're being judged. See, without the depression of having your own child, Am I making a case for making babies here? But, but you know, without that valley, there's no, there's no compassion. The single person without any children, lack of sympathy. Take this thing with you and take your diapers outside. But this can apply to anything in our lives. 
I know that for some of us, we question some of the things that we've gone through in our lives, the certain shenanigans that seem futile that others have done to us and things that we've chose in ourselves. But let me tell you, God uses those moments to fertilize the fruit in your life. Your flourishing is interconnected to others there. And that's how God gets the glory. You become like Jesus in many ways that foreshadows the cross and the resurrection. So the question I have for you is, do you think what you're going through today, anxiety, depression, something difficult, something messy, it's just pointless, it's not. Because the next person that struggles with that, you're going to be able to empathize, sympathize with. And it'll represent Christ to them. Because that's how God creates compassion. And this is the reason why, before we close, God moves in our lives this way. And why God allows grief and pain. It's a gift. So will you stand as we pray today? One of the things I love about the gospel is that God takes what seems like the most bleak and darkest day in the crucifixion. And to his disciples, it seems futile. But he takes Jesus' body and he breaks it. And because he breaks it, he could give it away. And, and here's a fact. Brokenness. We can't give ourselves away until we're broken in the right places. You won't forgive unless we're forgiven. We can't, be, we can't put an arm around someone's shoulder if we don't understand. And understanding is probably 90% about what it means to love someone, right? You can't love without being understood. So, Father, we pray that you would zero in on all the things that we've gone through and are going through. Give us perspective about what you're doing. You're creating good soil. Yes. 
you're fertilizing the hard structures of our lives so that you could mold us into the image of Jesus so that we can love others well. Love our friends, love our family, love the world well. To the blessing and to the glory of God and to our joy. Joy always comes when it's out of us and apart from us. Because when we give, there's joy. And when we give, God gets the glory because he is the one that formed us in the process. So come to the Father today. Say, God, form me so that all could come experience your love. in the Last Supper before he would be betrayed. He took bread and he broke it and he said, this is the body broken for you. Do it in the remembrance of me. See, if we don't share our brokenness with one another, we can't share compassion either, right? And in that in that mutual exchange, reciprocity, we look to the cross, who understands all our brokenness. Now, everybody might not understand every part of our brokenness, but Jesus does. The high priest that gone through the worst of all forms of pain. And his love flows from there, healing us and healing others. That's why the gospel is good news. We don't have a savior, a high priest who cannot understand our struggles. But we have a savior that's been mugged by reality like us. 
So that's why today I know that I'm my I'm my worst critic, that you might be too. That's why we have to learn compassion from Jesus. When he looks at you, he's not thinking, you idiot, or why'd you fall short? He sees your story and the story he's writing for your life. That changes everything. Father, we come before you today with confidence to the throne of God. Because you understand our story. You understand every part of our struggle today and the struggles we've gone through in the past. That's why you can save us. That's why you can lead us. Because you have compassion for us. Thank you. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, amen. God bless you. Go in peace. My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 1A Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 1A Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180 BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. 
We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Wu, who's a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them. And you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. As you might have seen on our social media channels, we launched a care package delivery service called 180 Cares. And this is a great way to um, show appreciation and love to the people in our lives that, mean, that may need some encouragement. If you'd like to send one of these boxes or just want to learn more, you can go check out our website at 180church.tv slash 180cares. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we've featured every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.